message is part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. You can open your Bibles to Philippians 1.6. Like I said, this is going to be one of the few times that you're going to walk in here and that we're not just going to kind of go through a passage and kind of methodically really go through uh, a passage one after another, you know, verse after verse. But we're going to look at about four or five different verses today. And if you've grown up in church or you've been, you know, if you attended church a, a lot in your life, these are going to be somewhat familiar passages to you. I don't say that to intimidate anybody who, if you're brand new to church or anything, but for those who have been in church a lot, you're going, oh, yeah, I've heard that verse. I'm, I'm familiar with that. We want to link this together this morning to, to try to give us a grasp on how do we answer this question? Is the Christian life that we are living right now, is it one of thriving or one of surviving? If you just had to pick one or the other, and I'm not saying that we're automatically just, that the, the scripture would lean us to one or the other, but if you just looked at your life last week, was it one of thriving? Was it one of surviving? Your Christian life last week, was it one of thriving and just, you know, man, more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. You know, that was just, you know, SC across your chest for a super Christian. You know, you just knew who you were in Christ. Or was it, man, I'm just, I'm just trying to get through the end of the day and knowing that by tomorrow morning, I'm, I'm counting on that verse in Lamentations that says that his mercies are new to me every single day. And you just, you know, you're just trying to endure the, the day. And so you're just trying to survive. Anybody want to offer what your vantage point was this last week? Survive. Now, put that in context, Alan. How, you know, I know that you're dealing with some physical pain. I know that you have two boys that divide and conquer is their mantra that they say. Uh, you know, it's, okay, the one way that we can beat mom is if you go this way and I go that way. Okay, so, so we get the whole picture here. But, but, but would you care to elaborate at all of just how, what, what put you in survival mode? It's called growing your children. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Parenting. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. And I think there, there's a whole bunch of people here that can totally identify with days like that, that turn days that turns into weeks, and weeks sometimes that turns into months. Somebody else, and you can take the same answer. You can go with somebody with another answer. Surviving last week was it one of survival or one of thriving? More than a conquer in Christ Jesus. Somebody help me out. So thriving in that sense, no, and, and I, I see the laughter there. The thriving in that sense is that for the most part, uh, no worries, no cares. Or at least you left those back here in Georgia as you went off to the beach. We put them on hold. Yeah. But then we came back and my company had layoffs. So we were surviving. And then you're surviving. You're back to the real world. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it funny how this, this kind of Hollywood's version uh, so many of the different shows that they take you off to these unreal places and put you in unreal places and yet kind of think that you're going to make real choices, whether it's The Bachelor or, you know, all the good little things that they have out there like that. You know, that's not reality. 
And it's almost like we were talking about last week. Do you view heaven as more of an escape from this present world or more of a dwelling with him forever and ever? Because there really is a difference. We talked about it in life group again this morning a little bit, and, and everybody said, man, a lot of weeks it is just escape. I want heaven because I want to escape the, the, the hardness, the heaviness of this world. Well, it's a very interesting question if we think about thriving or surviving of how we answer that because it really is, I mean, if we're supposed to thrive and all you did last week was survive, then somehow Ricky won <laughs> and Ellen lost. Is that really what we see portrayed? Not in our emotions, not in our thoughts, not what we think Christianity should be. What does the New Testament call us to? Because, guys, this is important. I'm not saying that we're going to get all the answers, but it's really important for us to kind of understand this call that we have into the Christian life. So much of the Christian life is one of those things where it is present truth, but a future reality. And the illustration I used in, in life group this morning that I'll use again here because I think we'd... How many of you are in some way, uh, you're, you're not retired yet, but you're saving for retirement? In the 401k, there's a pension plan, there's this. Or Uncle Sam at least is taking your Social Security dollars. Okay. Okay. If you're not retired yet, the reality is you can look, you can call up online, you can look and say, okay, I have this much money. Okay, and you can see dollars and cents. And is there a reality to that amount of money in dollars and cents that belongs to you? And yet the reality won't come until 62 or 65 or 70 or 72 or whatever when you begin to really get that. Now, it's real now. There's real money there. And yet for the most part, you're really not going to experience that retirement money and that funding until a little bit later on. So it has both realities. Reality that is true right now, but it's just not experienced right now. In the same way, the Christian life is a lot like that. So many of these great promises that we have from God have a future reality of full, of, of full payment. To be in the presence, to dwell with God. I mean, that's what we saw David say in verse 6 last week. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Dwelling with God. And we saw that promise of Christ there from John when he said, okay, don't worry, disciples. If I go, I prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come get you. Because in my Father's house are many rooms. You're going to have one of those rooms. Is that a reality right now? It is. It's a truth that is reality. And yet, are we experiencing it right now? No. Not in its fullness. And so much of the Christian life is that. Where it's real, there's no denying that this is reality. For example, are you, not just theologically, theologically I think is a done deal, are you more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian? Yeah. And yet, Ellen, no, I, I, I thank you for your honesty and your frankness. I think so many of us, if we are honest about like last week or maybe the week before, or the anticipation of the next week, you know, I just want to survive. just want to get through those first days of school with new patterns and new this and, and that. I just want to survive. What is your calling, Christian? Thriving or surviving? Well, would you agree that perhaps the answer lies somewhere in a mixture of the two? That there is this reality that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. This is what God has saved us to. 
The Bible would go on, Paul would write about how we have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. He would go on and we could make a long list of accolades of who you are in Christ Jesus. If you want to go and, and do a word search one time or a phrase search sometime that will bless your heart, to borrow my grandma's phrase, then, then study in the New Testament where it says, in Christ. Look at every time it says, in Christ, in Christ, because that's the identity of who we are. And yet there's going to be times that we found out last week, even in Psalms 23, that, okay, we have this shepherd who's going to bring us by still waters and green pastures, and yet we will still go through valleys of the shadow. There's sometimes we, he's going to prepare a banquet for us, but it's going to be in the presence of our enemies. And we see this reality that there's a truth and yet a reality. Just as some kind of Hollywood version that God has displayed upon our life, like The Bachelor or Bachelorette. What was that movie a long time ago? Uh, Jim Carrey. Um, Truman. Yeah. That's, uh, he thinks he's living a real life, and yet it's not really because it's really on this fake stage. And everything's really kind of under control by somebody else. I mean, have you ever wrestled with that? Is that an important question? As we approach Christianity, if we're to live out our Christian lives, is it kind of not important to know, maybe not so much what is expected to us, because the last thing I want to do is put a heavy weight, because everything is finished in Christ Jesus. I don't want anybody to ever leave thinking that somehow we get you know, salvation through anything but his amazing grace. But what I want to make much of today is that there's this other form of grace that God gives us. There's a lot of graces that are mentioned in the Bible. Healing grace is, is a big one. But today we want to talk about surviving grace, about how he gives us the grace just to uh, survive and, and how to endure and how to sustain our lives. And this sustaining grace that God gives us is something that we cannot live without. Theologically, if God removed his grace from this world right now, folks, we're talking about, I mean, I don't even know what happens. I mean, all of a sudden, even the, the, the chemical breakdown in this world and, and the stability of all the chemical things in the world, it just ceases to exist because this is God's hold. But in your life, in your Christian life, as you would make plans for tomorrow and the next week and the week after, even though God has totally saved anybody who has put their trust in Jesus Christ, your salvation is secure in that finished work. I do not believe, I theologically do not believe that there is anything that I could do from this point on in my life that would take salvation away from me because I didn't earn it. It was given by the work of Christ. I've trusted in that work of Christ. So it is secure in his finished work. It is finished. And I can give you verse after verse after verse in the New Testament that just says that. And yet... There are days that if all I do is just kind of survive and he just kind of sustains me, is, is that losing the Christian lotto? Is that somehow that we're just not living up to capacity? Is the true Christian life going to be one that truly every single day you're going, I'm thriving? Have you ever met those people? <laughs> you're going, you know, either I want to be just like you or you are lying through your teeth. That it truly, I mean, everything is, and, and please, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious here, but everything is praise the Lord. How you doing? Honey, I am doing fine. 
if life was any better, you know, they'd have to be two of me. You know, all those kind of little things. Of, and you're going, okay, either you are on a permanent vacation at the beach and, and you don't have to deal with anything of reality, or I'm missing out. It's a very, very important thing to ponder in our Christian walk. What was that goal for tomorrow? Survive or thrive? Now, who wouldn't pick thrive? Is there a possibility, and then we're going to get into the Word and, and stop all the philosophy and all the questions. Is there a possibility that you can thrive and survive at the same time? That there's a thriving in just surviving? That because of the harshness of the world, because we're still in this world, and it's a broken world, and it's the fallen world, and sin is ever-present, both out there and, and even we're afflicted by you know, sin in our own lives because it's, it's just this fallen nature of things, that there is a thriving at the same time that thriving is sometimes that you did survive. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul writes, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Again, we want to look at this in context without looking at the whole you know, Philippians verse by verse. Uh, there are some that would interpret this directly to say that uh, Paul has just mentioned how some people are participating monetarily in his ministry. They're giving to his ministry. And so some would interpret this saying, okay, what he's saying is, look, I really believe that you're going to keep on giving. And it can lend itself to it. I'm not saying that it doesn't mean that. But it just doesn't fit because he's talking about, okay, the completion to the day of Jesus Christ. Is he saying, okay, I expect you to give until Jesus comes back? But again, the New Testament thought process was that Christ was coming back pretty soon. So it can fit. I think it has an application that goes a little bit broader. And most scholars would agree that what we have here in this when he says, okay, is he's making a theological statement that, that Christ has done something when he saved you. And that Christ is serious about completing that. And that completion is that you would become more and more made into the image of Christ. In order to do that, salvation is already done and complete. There's not one thing, folks, that Christ can add to your salvation. There's, if, if anybody in here is a Christian, there's not one more thing that is lacking. There won't be a thousand years from now if Christ has tarried that long, that will be lacking in our salvation. It is finished. It is complete. He has risen from the dead. And now the only thing that is you know, waiting is, is this glory of heaven in this presence of God to dwell with him forever and ever. But until that day, he's working in our lives. We call it sanctification if we want to be real theological. Less and less of me and more and more of Christ. Something that's working on our mind, it's working on our heart, it's working on every fiber of our being. And here we have a promise from God, I believe, that he says, okay, God is serious about completing the work that he started in you. But some days in order to complete that, he's going to have to uh, completely sustain you. Now you look up the word sustain in the dictionary, and here's what you're going to find. Can we go, I, I know I skipped a slide for you, Mike, but if you can go back uh, Think about this, and even though this is either out of Webster's or, or something, and it's the word sustain, think about the theological implications of this. To sustain, to support, hold, or bear up from below, bear a weight of as a structure. Okay, you build something underneath you to give support. 
to keep from giving away as under trial or affliction. In other words, he, he allows you to be this, you know, uh, this rock in the midst of the storm, or that he is a rock in the midst of the storm, to keep up or going, uh, keep going as in an action or process, just going from the one day one, you know, Monday to Tuesday, for it is supplied with food, drink, or other necessities of life. Now, any of you, when you think about that, that you believe that God does this in a spiritual sense in your life as a Christian every single day. How many of you would believe that? And so we see that there is a saving grace, but we also see that there is this sustaining grace. That what God calls us to, this life you know, to salvation is not an end in just that we get saved, but that God continues to exercise his grace in our lives so that we become all that Christ wants us to be. Uh, famous writer, Christian writer Warren Wiersbe talks about the Christian life in this context. He says, it's the work that God does for us, salvation. The work that God does in us, sanctification. The work that, that God does through us, service. And that salvation, sanctification, and service are all part of God's grace. It takes God's grace every single day to accomplish that in our lives. So what does God's sustaining grace look like? Well, turn to another familiar passage that we have kind of just put into one area of temptation. I think it does have some broader applications. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. And it does talk directly about temptation, but yet it has some principles that apply, that apply broader than that. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with that temptation, with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape so that you may be able to do what? Endure it. So you say, okay, Christian, you know, he's writing to Christians. Okay, Christian, there's temptations out there. Just because you're saved, has God somehow put you in this, uh, you know, place where there's no temptation in your life? Has he kind of sealed away in this kind of holy bubble where you don't have temptations and you don't have frailties in your life? No. But, but there's a promise here. The reality about temptation, guys, is that, that every Christian will face Temptation. Even Christ faced temptation. Okay, there's not an escape, so to say, from that. The second truth is that temptation itself is not sin. Just because you're tempted doesn't mean that that's sin. Christ was tempted, but he did not sin. Third truth that we see biblically about temptation is that God will provide grace for you to be able to endure and escape temptation. There will be a way of escape. But here's the fourth truth about temptation that is clear in the New Testament. There is an evil one. But with all these promises of God, if we have this ledger that says, okay, here's what God has provided, we also see the, the New Testament very much saying, okay, but it's a spiritual warfare out there. You're in battle. 1 Peter 5.8 Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Well, guys, that is not to make us have timid hearts and fearful hearts. We're not, we're not to have the spirit of fear or timidity. And yet there's a reality there that we have to acknowledge in this Christian life. Because on those days that it, if we think thriving is the success point, and we've only been a successful Christian, if we've hit thriving... 
we've kind of forgotten that there is an evil and there's a friction to this world. That Sundays, <laughs> that God got us through and that we still have testimony for Jesus Christ, that that is thriving. But it felt like enduring. It's one of the things I just don't understand about some modern theology. People that say, well, you know, we're not so sure that there's really a devil. We think there's a God. We're pretty sure about that. Just don't think that there's a devil. I'm going, come to my life. I mean, I mean seriously, guys. I mean, it, it, this isn't for us to play around with, with the theology of God. Nowhere does God say, okay, let's take an opinion poll and see if, you know, modern man can just outscape, you know, outthink. If that's just kind of this old idea that's from ancient days. No, the reality is the Bible tells us there's an evil one. And he's told us about the intentions of that evil one. I mean, look what it says. Be sober-minded, be watchful. In other words, be aware, be alert about this. Your adversary, adversary is not a nice word. Adversary is somebody who truly is competing against you. Whether it's on a playing field, and it's football, you have an adversary. Okay, one of us, we, we want to win the game. In baseball, you, you want to win the game, and so you have one team, and they've pitted it against another team. And each team is hoping to win. Here you have an adversary, and he names who this adversary is. This is the devil, and he prowls around like a rolling lion. What picture do you paint in your mind of somebody who's prowling? It's not somebody who's just coming and you're making themselves known, but it's somebody who truly is undercover, uh, under the darkness of night, the darkness of of your mind, the darkness of whatever that wants to come in. You know, there, there's a, a part here, and he's got one intention, and what is that? You say that out loud with me. Seeking? See, I, I realize I'm just an old Baptist preacher, okay? I, I realize that. But guys, I, I cannot fathom, not just because the Bible tells me this, I cannot fathom because of my own life, I know the reality of a risen Christ. Why? Because I've experienced that in my life. But I know that there's a reality, that there's an adversary out there. Why? Because I've experienced that too. So could thriving in this biblical context be that we just, you know, that we stood? Not that we progressed, not that we took the hill, not that we were able to sit there and, and mark all the, you know, marks on the belt. Yeah, got another one, got another demon today. Yeah, but it's just that we stand there. Here's the battle. God said he's faithful to help us endure. Look back at at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not coming to man. God is faithful. This is a promise. He says, okay, here's what I promise to you, Christian. Here's what I promise that I give to you that he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. How many of you have felt like maybe <laughs> sometimes that temptation went beyond your ability? I mean, you just got in the real. And sometimes when we think of that, when we're thinking of this like, you know, this really bad sin. But is worry a sin? It is. And, and when we worry and worry and worry and we just put lots of layers of worry there. At that point, 
God has made a promise. He said, Look, I've given you a reason not to worry. It's not just that you're going to escape one day and go to heaven. That's that whole escapism from last week. He said, look, I make this promise to you. That there's a way of escape, but that isn't to go on to the next world. It's your ability to do what? What's the last part? To endure it. Ultimately, again, guys, heaven, no sin, no crying, no pain. Great, great place. But please don't see it as a, a land of no more. Please see it as a land of more because that's what the Bible keeps on saying. I, God says, I will dwell with you and you will dwell with me. I will be your God and you will be my people. This is heaven. If there's anything that he said that we need to escape, he said it's kind of the troubles of this world. And the method of escape, he said, is that I will give you the ability to endure it. Escape, you know, from that and, and endure it. I was trying to develop some spiritual muscle in you and I. Build our faith. It is to where the, not the, the slightest little wind of, of disappointment or doubt can knock us down. Have you ever met a person, and sometimes they're, they're naturally a little bit older, and just a person of tremendous faith? You just, man, that, that's, that's the Christian I want to be like. Have you ever met those people? And what was it about them? That they were just super nice? You want some more sugar with your tea? Was it just that they you know, had this niceness, this southern you know, hospitality? Or was it because you're going, man, there's somebody who stood through some really hard, hard times. And yet, look at that. They just keep on walking with God. And I promise you, if you talk to them, and go, man, are you thriving or are you surviving? They're going, well, you know, I'm thriving in the sense that I survived. That my rock was there. My rock was there. And I counted on God when that temptation came. Again, please don't regulate this temptation to just the sins that we think of, a lust, a greed, or something like that. When it comes down to worry and and a lack of faith, when it comes to the vulnerability of just not trusting God, that's a temptation, is it not? This isn't just, you know, that he's going to go, okay, there's a really pretty girl that's flirting with me at the office, but I'm married, so the way escape is my boss came in at that time. Don't regulate the power of this verse to some kind of sin like that. Does it apply to that? It it can. Guys, if worry and doubt and insecurity is a sin, and I promise you I can back that up biblically, and they are, when that temptation comes to you, that you say, man, the difference between thriving and just surviving yesterday is, man, I, I really doubt it a lot. Here's, here's a promise, guys. God is faithful. That he'll provide for you what? A way of escape. Well, he'll take that situation around, not all the way. It'll be what David said back in Psalm 23. He said, I walk through the valley of the shout. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, was he talking about avoiding a lustful, sinful relationship there? Or was he just talking about, man, life get really tough. It's really heavy. It's really dark. And yet, God, you gave me the ability to keep on trusting and keep on walking as I went through the valley of the shadow of death. Could thriving and surviving 
both be at God's call upon our life? And could it be that thriving is actually just that we survived and we have the testimony the next day that here's what I went through and here's how my gracious God supplied gracious grace to me to keep the faith, to follow truth. And today my, it's not that my soul was not secure because it's already secure in Christ Jesus, but just to keep the faith. Honestly, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand. Have you ever been tempted not to have the faith? I mean, I know that's not one of those things that we, we talk about, you know, because we all, how you doing, man? Doing good. Jesus is Lord. Hell, of course he's Lord. And whether you said he was Lord or not doesn't change the fact that Jesus is going to be Lord, okay? Well, guys, we can have all these little spiritual platitudes. The simple faith is, uh, the simple thing is, truth is, that sometimes we're going to be really challenged in our faith. And sometimes it can happen logically in our mind because things just don't add up. Spiritually, they just don't add up. Sometimes it's going to happen in our heart, and often it happens in our heart that the emotions are just pulling us in another direction. God, that's not how I would have done it because that's not how I would have done it. Somehow, God, are you really there? Because it doesn't seem like this would be the path that you would take me. We prayed for Daddy to, you know, to make it. And Daddy succumbed. And death took him. Those are heavy things, guys. This isn't just sitting in the back playing checkers. This is real life. And if you think that somehow that God has called you to this majestic thriving every day, that truly, unless you are just glowing with a Shaggana glory of, of God like Moses coming out of the mountain, if, if that's what God has called us to, then I don't know how many of us are really accomplishing this Christian life. But if it's that ability to say, you know, what our, what our VBSers learned in Isaiah 43:2, man, in the midst of the waters, God was always with me. In the midst of the waters, our encounters, in the midst of the fire hose, <laughs> God is with me. This is New Testament Christianity, guys. This is New Testament Christianity. doesn't mean that, I mean, I, I truly want to be more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. That's who I am theologically. I want to live that out. But sometimes that means at the end of the day, Ellen, you said it so well. You know, at the end of the day, I made it to the, to the next day. And so, I, I mean, please, call me this week. Let's, let's have coffee. Because I, I will entertain an, an argument, but just make sure if you want to come with an argument, come biblically. No, I just think Christians, we just should be sailing high. and, and It's just not, I don't find in the Bible. Why did he say when you go through the waters, I'll be with you? Why did he say the valley of the shadow of death? Why did he say I will prepare a table, a banquet before you in the midst of your enemies? Because there's conflict here. And there's an evil one that has a very specific purpose. And that evil one says, I want to devour you. And I can't take your soul. That's secure in the finished work of Christ. But I sure can take your joy. And the way that I take your joy is get you wrapped up that somehow. Because what, what a temptation. If, if you put it in real life, uh, how many of y'all have ever worked for a boss? 
How many times have you thought your boss has come in there with goals or with, uh, you know, different things, and you're going, there's no way. <laughs> you, you want us to grow by 100% by next month? And it was unreal expectations. And you go out there and you start kicking it out. You just start kicking it out. And you give it everything you've got. And when they tally up at the end of the thing, you did increase the business. You increased it by 23%. And you knocked it out. And yet the expectation was 100%. It's hard to feel victorious when some boss is saying 100%. And yet you say, man, I just gave it all I got. And I'm kind of happy with the 23%. I'm not saying lower your Christian sites. Please don't hear anything that God has called us into casual laziness when it comes to living out our Christian life. I believe that the call here is that thriving, a lot of times, if we really want to put it down biblically, is that you endure by the grace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit that you make it to the next day. And if that sounds like a really negative approach to Christianity, it's because we live in a fallen world. It's not God's fault. I'm not pinning this one on God. I'm just saying, knowing that we live in the midst of this fallen world, guys, I'm not saying that we set our sights low. No, we are to live for Christ every day. But sometimes that thriving is because of God's sustaining grace. He just sustained us to the next day. Ephesians 6. 10 and 11. Finally, he's closing down this letter. Paul's writing to the Ephesians. He's, he's writing this as a section that we usually talk about in spiritual temptation and, and in spiritual warfare. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, here's the secret, here's the connection. It's not you and I gaining a whole bunch of extra muscles, but us developing spiritual muscles in our faith, that we just have a great, greater faith because we trust God to, to do this, that we find the strength in his might, put on the whole armor of God, that is that, that which he uh, gives us, so that you may be able to do what? To stand against the schemes of the devil. And that standing is the victory. Again, please do not confuse this with the theology of salvation. That's secure. That's done. This is everyday spiritual life. And I truly believe with all my heart that sometimes at the end of the day, if we can say, man, I'm still standing because of the grace of God. He supplied the wisdom I needed. He displayed the hope that I needed that he displayed and gave to me the truth of God's word so that I could go on and I could endure. But enduring and surviving was really thriving in the Christian life. Hope this makes sense to you guys. Because it's one of those things, I really do think that it can be a trap that a lot of Christians fall into. But somehow we just think that, man, we are sail above the waves. We set sail... And storms never come. Then why all the verses? Hey, in the midst of the water, I'm going to be there with you. In the midst of this, in the midst of temptation, I'm going to provide a way of escape that you might be able to endure it. The Apostle Paul's life, and I would challenge you, the 11 disciples that go on, the, the, the apostles, how do we believe 
Some we, we find it biblically, but others we find in the early writing of the Christian fathers. What kind of death did those early apostles die? Yeah. A martyr. I mean, some got their heads cut off. Some and ones, you know, crucified upside down. John the Baptist, not John the Baptist, John the Revelator, they tried to boil him alive in, in hot oil. I mean, th- this isn't pleasant stuff, guys. This, this doesn't seem like this thriving life. And yet, after they try to get John's life and they try to boil him alive, they send him off to this island. And he writes some of the most beautiful words of hope that we ever find. In fact, he has the gift to be able to write the final words of the New Testament that tell us the rest of the story. And man, you endure today. Why? Because one day you're going to be dwelling. And until you dwell, you keep on dwelling now in the presence of God. Keep on practicing the presence of God. My prayer is that as we would leave today, that we would understand in the same way that you need God's saving grace, and it's only through Christ that we have His saving grace. I promise you, the only hope that you and I have to survive and to thrive is by His sustaining grace. Every day, God pouring out, as it says in Lamentations, my mercies are new to me, uh, new to you every day. If you think that I emptied the bucket yesterday when you woke up this morning, I had a whole new bucket. And I'm just going to pour sustaining grace. I've already saved you. You're as saved as you're going to get, but I'm going to sustain you so that you can endure this. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you. And Father, will you help us to, to, to wrestle with this uh, more? Father, I, I pray that you would help us to, to, to do justice to the Scripture, Father. But Father, I think what a, what a significant thing we need to learn is how are we supposed to be doing this life? Father, am I truly supposed to be smiling every single minute and say praise the Lord and that it has to be one of 100% sincerity for me to truly be this victor in Christ Jesus, this more than a conqueror? Or Father, sometimes in the darkest of days when the waters are surrounding me that I can say, no, my God is faithful. And it may look like a valley of death to you and there's a lot of darkness my God is with me and his rod and his staff they comfort me Father we thank you for your saving grace there's no way that we could ever enter into your presence we sing before how you took orphans and made them sons and daughters and Father that would have never happened if it was left up to us and our good works and our own abilities Father it had to happen through the sacrificial death of your son Jesus Christ in our place And yet, Father, you didn't stop there. That until that day that you call us home, you promised to give us sustaining grace. And that your grace was to be sufficient no matter what we're facing. So, Father, I pray that we would draw close to you today. That we would praise you. And that, Father, you would build up faith and hope and trust in our hearts. Father, that we would say, God, today I I thrived because you brought me from this day to the next and you proved that your word was true and sufficient for my every need. We love you and we thank you, Father. As we pray all this in Christ's name, amen. 
Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.